Welcome to another edition of the Engineering Leadership Podcast, where we bring together successful C-suite executives to explore their stories at the intersection of leadership and engineering. We believe leaders are built, not born. And by nailing the constants, we can build strong, engineering-focused leaders who are prepared for future success. Each interview was led by Doug Hawk, chemical engineer, business executive, and the creator of Engineering Leadership. I'm Ben Fanning. Let's get started. today's episode, I have Karthik Iyer, who is the Vice President of Engineering for NVIDIA, which is a global computer hardware company that has pioneered the PC gaming market and is modernizing artificial intelligence for worldwide usages in healthcare, accelerated computing, robotics, game development, autonomous cars, and more. Karthik obtained his master's degree in computer science, and he chose teach and learn as his topic. Here's your three bullet summary. Change is always there. So you as a leader need to keep adapting and learning. Discussing and understanding the mistakes made helps leaders not repeat them again, and companies should work effectively on providing learning opportunities for employees. Enjoy the episode. Hello, welcome to this episode of Engineering Leadership. I'm Doug Hawk, your host, and joining us today is Karthik Iyer. Vice President of Engineering for NVIDIA, a global computer hardware company that has pioneered PC gaming and is modernizing artificial intelligence for worldwide use. Karthik obtained his master's degree in computer science at Clemson, and he he chose our constant of teach and learn, which is certainly fundamental to all the constants as as we all develop ourselves and our skills and our teams and our companies. Um, So thank you for joining us today, Karthik, and really excited for the conversation. Thank you, Doug, for the opportunity, and I'm glad to be here. Um, you know, as you, as we engage on this topic, like just to get us started, how how fundamental do you think, and how how fundamental has teaching and learning been to your success as you when you've climbed the ranks of, of the technology and software world at a number of companies um, over the past 20 years? And I can just imagine how much technology has changed in in every field, but in, in what you do specifically is at light speed compared to many of us. You know, I'm a chemical engineer and a lot of our technology is evolving, but, you know, at a snail's pace compared to what you guys work with. Yeah. So for me, I think learning is one of the fundamental pillars of being a successful leader. Um, and I've heard this story in the past in one of the leadership <clears throat> trainings that I attended back in Qualcomm. And, and I think that story kind of resonated to me. So I'll kind of make it short. So ultimately, there was this, uh, you know, there was this uh, competition between two people who had to saw wood, right? Um, And they had this friendly competition going between them. And they said, okay, at the end of the day, let's figure out who saws, uh, who saw the most pieces of wood, right? So both of them started off bright and early. And this one guy said, you know what, I'm just going to not stop. I'm not going to take any breaks. I'm even going to forego my lunch. I'm going to keep sawing wood all day long. The other guy, on the other hand, uh, he was sawing the wood, but then every hour or so he used to go off and take a 10-minute break. He used to go off, disappear somewhere, and then come back, and then continue sawing again. So this guy who was not taking a break, he was pretty confident that, you know what, I'm going to beat this guy hands down. At the end of the day, when they counted, started counting the pieces of wood, they found that the guy who actually took this break every so often 
had a lot more pieces than the guy who did not take a break. So this guy was astounded. He's like, what's happening? How is that possible? What were you doing during that break? He said, I was sharpening my saw. And that, I believe, is extremely critical because you as a leader, yes, you go through school, um, you, you go through high school, you go through college, you maybe do, you do a graduate degree, you do a master's or even a PhD, but then the world is constantly changing. Technology is constantly changing. Um, you know, what, what was the norm in the 90s or the early 2000s is no longer the norm like 20 years from now. So people have to keep adapting. Change is always there. It's, it's part of our lives. So as a leader, you, we need to always sharpen our saw and add new, uh, let's just say, skills to our toolkit. Um, and to summarize, I think one of the, you know, apart from the seven, 17 principles that you were talking about, if you look at the Amazon leadership principles, and I've been part of Amazon for a few years, one of the leadership principles is learn and be curious. And, and we pay a lot of emphasis to that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Staying curious and, and, you know, recognizing that, you know, there's always much more out there that you don't know than what you do is certainly a big part of it. And I think, you know, I do think the, the reason we specifically called this out from an engineering leadership standpoint in the framework is, you know, it's to deal with some of the specifics around engineers themselves you know, typically very focused on getting the answer, very data-driven, um, perhaps at times too focused on being right, you know, and, and I heard someone, I heard a quote the other day said, look, you can, you can worry about being right, or you can focus on solving problems. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're too concerned with being right, you're going to look past the problems, you're going to make bigger mistakes, you're not going to be focused on learning, you know, the extra information you need to, to get at the root cause of the problems, right? And um, so I thought that was a good way to think about this. I mean, I, you know, um, and I think, the, what do you think about the importance early on of sort of recognizing that learning about leadership is just as important for young engineers, students, early career engineers, as all the, the dedication, you know, getting through engineering curriculum does take hard work, takes dedication, takes focus. Um, but, you know, part of our message is just how important it is to think about leadership development similarly to the other skills you're trying to pick up along the way. Mm-hmm. And when, when should, when should, is it too early to start thinking about that, you know, in the, in your, while you're still in school quickly after, like, you know, what was your experience in that area? So I, I think it's never too early. And, and I think, School is a fabulous opportunity for you to to build some of these leadership skills. So let me give a couple of examples. So one was, you know, I did my undergrad back in India, mm-hmm. and um, what we had what we had in uh, in our college was we used to organize this massive cultural festival where people from all over India used to come and participate, right? So we had, you know, pretty much uh, rock shows and and all these various events that used to happen. And it was all organized by the students. So, so literally, you used to have the entire um, student community. We had multiple departments, or let's call it functions, right? So there was one a department in charge of reception and accommodation. So, hey, you know, there are all these people coming from out of town. Where do we put them up? Um, you know, where do they eat? Taking care of all the logistics for their stay and, and accommodation. There's another. Uh, there was another uh, group of uh, kids. And their role was control. So they took care of all the event scheduling. 
what event is happening when, which colleges are participating in which event so that we know which room that they need to go to and whatnot. There was another group, for instance, taking care of backstage. So there were all these stages across campus. They need to make sure that the stage was set for the right event and whatnot, and so on and so forth. So a lot of these things were all student-managed, student-organized, and, and there was, you know, you started off as a volunteer, but then over the years, you spent four years in college. By the end of your year, by, by third year or fourth year, you were probably, a, 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 you know, one of the leaders or like the CEO for that particular vertical uh, right. for that organization. So that so those were kind of examples by which in terms of in your early years, you have the ability to join by, by basically socializing to various clubs and various other activities on campus, you can definitely hone your leadership and your communication interaction skills. Um, another example that I wanted to highlight was in my master's at Clemson specifically, there was this uh, class on object-oriented programming uh, where we had to do, we had, we had to implement a project using some object-oriented programming principles. But the way the class was defined was the entire class was a company. And everybody was given certain roles. Hey, you're the development team. You're the QA team. You're the requirements team. You're the documentation team, et cetera. And we had to work together as a company where every, you know, certain group of people were paired together and they were a particular team. Right. And so the, dev the development team used to provide the software release to SQA and SQA used to find all these bugs. And they used to say, hey, I cannot accept your release because it's no good. I found all these bugs. Go fix them, Right. And you had to negotiate with them to say, okay, I don't think this is a bug because of X, Y, Z, right? Like typically what you would find in a real company. So right. I think that was a great exposure as well. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, one of the things that we talked about with uh, Yamini Rangan joined us um, from HubSpot and uh, she had some great tips about just being very intentional about developing as a leader and leadership skills. And, and again, applying all the same principles that you do as an engineer, right? Take the topic, break it down, and but, but make sure you're making the time, you're finding those opportunities proactively, right? You're not looking, you're not, you're not trying, you're not, it, you're not counting on it just showing up, right? Like you're finding events like you, you mentioned and going and volunteering in those roles, you know, sometimes in environments where you might be very uncomfortable and say, well, I don't, I don't know anything about this and how I might be able to help, but, you know, jump in, be deliberate, make the time to do it and just be committed to, to learning about leadership. So let's shift a little bit, Karthik, on, and I want to work in NVIDIA and let you tell us a little bit about that story, because if, if uh, you know, I mean, your products are such a you know growing part of the ecosystem that especially young folks live in nowadays. Mm -hmm. uh, Sometimes the virtual worlds that they're spending hours, you know, all but living in, um, and and really tell us a little bit about how that's developed from an artificial intelligence standpoint, and how because what fascinates me about a lot of those topics is how teaching and learning is playing a role into the development of those technologies, mm -hmm. and you know we learn you know we hear a lot about learning algorithms and and sort of learning programs. Um, but that I got to believe that means that your team has to always be learning and digging into these areas first before they can figure out how to translate it into the technology. So is it like how, I mean, it seems just so fundamental that you, how the company's progressing the technology. Um, but, but tell us about how that's impacting your teams and, 
and their commitment to continuing to learn and develop. Absolutely. So I think for us in NVIDIA, it starts from our CEO, Jensen Huang. So uh, Jensen is our CEO and founder. And in a lot of ways, he's also the chief product officer of the company too. So a lot of, so pretty much every product that's coming out of NVIDIA, you can find Jensen's foot, uh, you know, have fingerprints all over it. Um, leverage is one of the big things, is one of his key principles at NVIDIA. So let's say he's sitting down in a bunch of these meetings. He's hearing reports about, hey, you know, there is this initiative going on with this company. And then he's sitting out in a meeting in the afternoon where he's hearing, hearing about another initiative. And if something sounds similar, where it's like, hey, it looks like you guys are building something similar to what this other team is building. You can bet that he's going to bring us together and say, hey, you guys better learn from each other. It looks like you guys are learning, trying to solve the same problem or trying to do something similar. So bringing people together, leveraging and communication are one of the fundamental pillars that Jensen preaches to us. And, and it's, it's one of our key cultural, it's one of our core values in the company. The other thing that he emphasizes on is also lessons learned, right? So for instance, if somebody makes a mistake, you can say, oh, this happened in ops or in hardware. So you guys in software may not have to worry about that. That's not, that's not how he thinks about it. So typically a lot of times, um, you know, again, pre-COVID, the entire executive leadership of NVIDIA used to meet pretty frequently to understand, okay, here, let's get aligned in terms of, okay, this is what we're going to be focusing on over the next six months, over the next year, or over the next couple of years. And at that time, we use this as an opportunity to look at lessons learned and say, okay, here are the mistakes that we have, that has happened. And let's make sure that everybody learns about it so that we don't commit the same mistake again. Because ultimately, when leaders make mistake, the people who end up paying the price for it are the employees. So, so, so Jensen was extremely clear to say, I do not want, you know, the engineers are making so much sacrifices in the company and not just engineers, right? It could be, uh, it could be somebody working in operations. It could be somebody working in marketing. It could be somebody working in product management. There are a lot of people putting in a lot of hours and they're sacrificing their time based on the decisions or the direction that we are taking. And when we make mistakes, you know, a lot of their work will have to be redone or they'll have to repivot, right? And he doesn't right. like that happening. So, so he holds us accountable to make sure that, you know, that, that we make sure that, 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 the, that, the, that the time or the effort spent by our employees are not in vain. Yeah, those are great points. Um, do you guys have a, I mean, is there a, well, I guess at any point along the path from a development standpoint, um, has the company invested in sort of the, the continuous learning area around, and is there a leadership development program or is it more, is it more specific to certain technical areas and technologies? Um, no, we, I, I think most companies, so all the companies that I've been a part of, Qualcomm, NVIDIA, as well as Amazon, they have this concept of a learning center. And the learning center typically offers courses not only in technical areas, but also in leadership. Right. So, so for instance, in Qualcomm, we had a whole bunch of management programs. So when I was progressing through the ranks at Qualcomm, I know I started off as uh, a, you know, a, a leader for a small project team. Then I eventually became a manager, then a director and a vice president and whatnot, right? But throughout my progression in my career, there was definitely a lot of support. 
that was offered either through the learning center at the company right. or through various other w- workshops, right? Like for instance, there are all these other external companies who take care of executive coaching or executive leadership where they come and conduct workshops where it could be a specific thing. Like for instance, a particular org leader might say, um, hey, I want to do X, Y, Z. Here are my goals for um, this is what I need to do. And they would tailor a workshop specifically for that. So tip, so when I was at Qualcomm, we typically had um, offsites or workshops um, with specific agendas. And again, it could be dealing with, hey, what are we going to do over the next couple of years? What is going to be a long-term vision for the organization? But then we use this opportunity as a way of bringing leaders together. Number one, to share information, like I, speech, like I, like I mentioned before in the previous example, but also to learn talk about effective means of communication, how leaders have to be, you know, sometimes you have to be in the balcony and sometimes you have to be in the dance, you know, you have to dive deep or sometimes you have to step back, look at the forest from the trees and whatnot, right? So there are a lot of learning opportunities that happen during these workshops, but at the same time, you know, there's also some strategy. Um, In NVIDIA specifically, um, like we have this concept of a deep learning institute, right? Right. Um, and having this culture of learning is, is extremely critical. Um, so for instance, eight or 10 years ago, pe- people were thinking of NVIDIA as a gaming company mm-hmm. or as a silicon provider. But today, people look at NVIDIA as a deep learning system software company. And we and Jensen made this entire pivot to say, hey, you know, I'm not going to be, you know, yes, we are, we're, we're going to have silicon, but at the same time, the focus is going to be on AI. He felt, and he was right, that the NVIDIA GPU was a premium product and it can go into data centers because there's so much data that's coming in that right. all these companies would need these GPUs to start processing data. So we do not go out and hire new people, you know, to, to basically, to, to once we decided to repivot the company towards deep learning and AI, what we did was we trained our existing workforce to say, hey, this is where the company is being repivoted towards. And let's go and give you the tools so that you, you know, that all the engineers, the workforce can be successful. And I think that is one of the reasons why I think Jensen is an extremely popular leader in our company because he really cares about employees a lot and he's willing to provide the necessary tools so that people can improve their skill sets on a constant basis. So there's always constant learning or continuous learning, as you mentioned, that's going on with the company because as the world keeps changing, we make sure that our workforce is trained and are adapting to how the world is changing or how the technology is changing. Well, and I think that speaks to, you know, the how the, how the foundational element of having a teaching and learning mentality as a leader mm-hmm translate to so much value for your team, for your company, because there's, you know, I think in today's world in particular, with the amount and pace of change, you know, just like you said, it is, you're, you're not going to have a lot of success if you feel like every new challenge or new pivot or new product opportunity that comes at you requires you to kind of throw the current team overboard and, oh, I got to just hire in, you know, experts in this field. No, like, because, and that's just not how, success is built, right? I mean, we and, and look, it's not mean you don't bring in, you know, great new talent whenever you can get your hands on it. Not saying that at all, but it is a, it does take an ongoing commitment to make sure that you're bringing your whole team with you, that you're creating those constant development opportunities. Um, 
and and really, you know, I have to believe that drives, like you said, incredible loyalty because people feel like well, not only do people, not only people like me here and they care about me, but there's a continuous investment in ongoing success. That's going to drive, you know, tremendous progress for whatever team, company, community you're leading, right? Because that's, and people know when that's not there, when there's not a commitment to that type of learning investment and continuous training. Um, so I think that's why it's such an important leadership fundamental of thinking all the time. You're never going to, you know, we all, everything's a world of limited resources, right? You're never going to have the perfect team. You're never going to have all the perfect skill sets. You're never going to have the perfect recruitment slate that's coming in, but you can make it, if not perfect, a lot better if you're committed to teaching and learning and continuous, you know, evolving that team as you go towards the objective objectives that are always changing. Yes. Um, so I just think that's, that's an incredibly great story there. And, and, um, and I think for, for the, for our listeners, you know, it's important that to find those opportunities. And the reason I asked, and I, I felt like you guys certainly of any company had a deep commitment to this, but I think most companies have more resources than folks might expect earlier in their career, right? And or maybe they feel like that's for later on, or the managers are accessing that. I mean, our encouragement is, you know, seek these out early, be deliberate in your efforts, be aggressive in in trying to get yourself into those programs and exposed to those opportunities. And then I think the other key that we've found is is consistent across many folks that we've interviewed for the series is the not just looking for the opportunities for those structured programs, but like you said, looking for ways to give back and finding, you know, throw yourself into projects and, uh, you know, efforts and events that you probably don't have the time. You think, and I don't have the time. You never will have the time if you don't make the time to, to go be and deliver, be deliberate about that. Right. So I think, you know, you talked about, and you've given some speeches and, and, and talked about at seminars, you know, how important this topic is, but I got to believe like, that's, you know, how much are you getting back out of that? Right. And that's what we're trying to get people to realize is volunteering is not about what you give. It's about what you get back, which in my experience has been orders of magnitude of what you put in. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the, you know, the role of sort of, and the willingness to be vulnerable and admit mistakes and understand that it's not about being right, but it's about, about continuing to learn. And, and how do we, you know, any advice for particularly younger engineers that are, and we're all worried about getting the right answer. We're trained to get to the right answer. We're trained to calculate it to the fifth decimal place, right? Like um, just any advice for early folks students and otherwise getting more comfortable with being wrong, asking the questions and diving in at, at topics a little more openly than they might be comfortable with initially? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I think um, there's actually one of, uh, let me think about this some more. So there's definitely um, an Amazon leadership principle which says, and, and, and the leadership principle is not just for leaders, right? The Amazon leadership principles, every employee of Amazon knows about the leadership principles because per Amazon, every employee is a leader in some way, shape or form, right? Because either you don't need to have people reporting into you, right. you know, by your actions 
you know, you, you basically influence people. You are interacting with people every day. So there is leadership coming out in every individual. Um, so that's something that we need to recognize. So one of the principles, it says leaders are always slash often right. We understand that, yes, people do make mistakes, but use mistakes as a, as a launch pad or as a stepping stone in terms of, okay, we do want to take risks. There are certain things that may not pan out. Hopefully, if you take risk, take some risk, fail fast, learn from it, and move on, right? right. So the next time we realize it, we do not make the same mistake again. And, and all the leaders do not have perfect answers. Yeah. Um, so, so here's an example uh, of something where, and in fact, um, you might have heard about this. Jeff Bezos uh, has made this comment which says, good intentions do not matter. And you might be thinking about this and saying, what? What do you mean good intentions do not matter? So there's a, you know, there is a, he says, you might say, okay, I'm going to go and solve world hunger or I'm going to go help people, um, you know, let's just say India is going through this COVID thing. Oh, I definitely want to help people. But if you say something and do not do anything about it, you know, you have this good intention, but without the right mechanisms in place, the good intentions do not matter. So, um, so he essentially said, if you have, you know, if you want to do something, make sure you have the right mechanisms in place to do something. And in terms of learning, um, this is a story that we've heard in Amazon quite often. And it happens, you know, it probably comes up during when you join Amazon and you go into orientation, you'll hear the story. So there is this, um, uh, there was this, thing where Jeff typically tries to spend every um, so often, he will go and pick a particular business, say, for instance, Amazon retail, and he'll go and try to step into the shoes of, or I'll try to work with somebody who is doing their day-to-day job, right? So one of the times he had actually spent time where he said, I'm going to sit down and work with this customer service representative who is basically getting calls from mostly pissed off customers returning Amazon products, right? right? So so he was on a call with this customer service rep um, and this lady has been with Amazon for a while. And so she got this call about a particular product. And when as soon as the product name flashed on the screen, she told Jeff, oh, this person is going to return this product. I, and we are getting a lot of those. And Jeff was surprised. So lo and behold, the customer got on the call and they said, hey, you know, I'm going to return this product because I was under, under the impression it did X, Y, Z. So she said, no problems. And she took care of the customer and the customer hung up. So Jeff asked this lady, okay, how did you know about this? So she said, no, I know about this all the time because the product page for this uh, this uh, this uh, article or this product is incorrect. It says this, and we know that does not happen. And she mentioned that I actually mentioned this to my supervisor, but unfortunately it was never fixed. So that kind of gave Jeff an indication that, hey, you know what? The people on the ground know that something is wrong. They've even bubbled it up to the right people on their chain. But for some reason, this product is still on the retail page when it shouldn't be, or it should have been corrected, right? Right. So he basically implemented. So he said, yeah, this person had the good intention, but it should not have the right mechanism in place to go and ensure that this happened. Right. So what 
Jeff said was, okay, let me help you with the mechanism. So in Japan, there is this concept of uh, a tandem cord. And, and this is probably imp- uh, not just, I think it was uh, probably came about in Japan, but I think it's now deployed. It's probably available even in many automotive manufacturing processes and things like that, where any at any point in a line, if somebody recognizes a problem, they pull that cord and the entire line just shuts down. Mm-hmm. So, so what Jeff provided was he said, hey, if there is a, an issue where a customer is, or when a customer service rep or anybody up on a chain, when they're inter- interfacing with a customer, when they know that something is wrong, they should be able to pull a tandem card. And in this particular case, he provided a tandem card to say, okay, the product listing goes off the Amazon retail website <laughs> until it's fixed. So, so, so a red flag gets raised and says, this product is no longer available. So people cannot shop for the product or cannot add this on, in their cart until this particular issue is fixed. So when the issue gets fixed, it goes back into the into the web page and it becomes live. So. Right, right. Yeah, continuous learning. I mean, the whole Kaizen, um, you know, all the Kaizen Six Sigma mm-hmm. methodology thinking that came out of out of well, there's a lot of uh, you know Deming's work, but then came went to Japan, came to those manufacturing, has come back. We've implemented those principles across our company, and and you know we talk a lot about you know, making sure that every little thing that's off, you know, if you notice it, say something, everybody's got authority to stop the process. It's particularly, it's really important in safety too, to make sure that people understand they've got stop work authority anytime, anywhere, if they see something that they believe is going to be unsafe or that concerns them. Um, and just driving that sense of empowerment, right? Where, where people can take action because they are closer to the action and they see it first. And so many organizations aren't geared that way to empower them to make the changes necessary. So I think that's a, that's a great example. Um, one of the things, Karthik, I always like to talk about in these interviews is, is was there a moment for you, you know, as you made that progression of your in your career um, from being, you know, out of school, early stage engineer um, into, you know, not just manager, but then leader. And I call these the kind of the leadership moment, if you would, where you're like, Oh, this is this is different. I can no longer get where I want to get to by just working harder, having head down. But, you know that. And for me, it was a it was a you know tear filled kind of revelation of like, oh well, all the stuff I've done to kind of get here isn't going to get me there, right? And that and sort of started me on this journey of reflection around leadership because none of us are done, right? It's it's it, you're always I'm just teaching and learning other things, but about leadership itself, about ourselves as we continue to grow and evolve. Um, was there a moment for you that you, you can recall where you said the light bulb went off and you're like, I'm going to have to make some changes here and embrace this leadership thing if I'm going to get to where I want to go? Yeah, I think that was. The, I think that's a great point. So um, this was probably in Qualcomm and I was, um, and I'd probably been promoted to a manager and I, I was, I was, quite successful as a manager, but then over time, but I used to be a pretty hands-on manager and I used to be writing a lot of code. And uh, at one point it got to, you know, where I had to be involved in a lot of meetings and I had to make project level decisions, which meant that I could not be writing a lot of code, right? And and I felt really bad about that because uh, what ended up happening was 
I, I was committing to also, because I was thinking, hey, I, I, I did that before, so I can still do that. But then I was spending a lot more time in meetings um, and doing other activities, right? A management slash leadership work, project leadership, project management work. And I, I wasn't able to deliver on my individual project level commitments where I said, oh yeah, this component, I will write the code for that. So one of my mentors at Qualcomm, um, so I had two mentors uh, who influenced me. One was Eric Lechvin. Um, he was my first manager when I joined Qualcomm as an engineer. Um, and he was, a, he was the guy who recognized the leadership spark in me. He said, Karthika, you know, I think you can take on more. I think, I think leadership would be a, a, a good role for you. And even before I became a manager, he put me in all these leadership roles where I was representing the team in a bunch of meetings um, and things like that. So, so I definitely owe that to him. And he was a great technical guru too. You know, from a technical standpoint, he gave me the best advice. You know, if I get stuck, he would be my go-to person. The other mentor that helped me through this particular problem when, when I was struggling with meeting my commitments was um, at the time my VP, his name is John Boakal. And he really, you know, he was a peop- he was a people's person, right? He right. understood management and he understood leadership. He he basically gave me the difference between, you know, hey, Karthik, this is what a manager is, but you're a leader, right? And the leader is, at, and he basically told me that if you are looking at enhancing your career, you have to let go. So how are you going to take on? So for instance, if you're aspiring to be the next level and you're looking at what your your supervisor or your boss is doing and you want to take on some of that responsibility, how will you take that on without dropping some stuff off your plate? Which means look at the people who are working for you. They have the same aspirations too. So you need to let go of a bunch of things on your plate so that people under you can also progress and then you look upwards and figure out what you can take from your supervisor or boss so that way you can you can keep going up and 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 the whole chain continues right and i think that was a pretty eye opening moment for me in terms of okay it's not about how much you can take on it's also what you can let go which is very critical too no oh, and i think that's you know i hope people get that point and and listen carefully to that because it's so important in terms of making that transition for because you know, and it's and it's it's a hard realization. I, and I think most most during most of our sessions, the interview it, it contains that element of have to, right? Like I don't think any of us sort of got there on our own. We all had good mentors, which I think we all recognize how important they were in our lives. And I think we also recognize that we part of it was also hitting a wall and realizing that there's not a different like I can't just push through, right? Like I've got to create the space to go over or around. But just you know, taking on more and more work isn't the, isn't the solution, right? Um, and empowering those around you. And I think you know it's, but it is hard for folks to, especially um, you know, depending how secure and comfortable they are in their environment and how supporting their team is and companies are, you know, because it can be threatening, right? Well, if I give this up and I and there's and I teach others to do this and I teach them to do what I figured out, you know, am I less important? Am I less, you know? impactful? Am I less, you know, am I less, am I more vulnerable in my position? Maybe they don't, they don't need me now. And, you know, I think a big part of that learning experience is making sure that you understand, you know, teaching everyone else how to do what you do, getting them to be even, you know, hopefully better at it than you could ever be 
Like that's the fastest path to the next step forward for yourself. It's, it's, you know, and until you do that, really, it's, it's hard to get promoted because if you haven't built that around yourself, then, you know, you're putting your supervisor or boss in a situation where when they promote you, they're creating a huge hole in the organization, which creates problems for everyone else. And exactly. you know, so it's like, I tell people like the fastest way to get promoted is to make yourself redundant, right? Where yes. you're just, as and you're ready to learn the next thing, but you've done the teaching first, you're ready for the learning. You've created that, you know, that, that resiliency in, the, in your team and your organization. And that's when, you know, but that was when it becomes obvious to everyone around you, you're ready for the next thing. Yeah. Um, but it does take a leap of faith, right. To recognize that, uh, there's a, there's a bit of anxiety and uncertainty in those, in that process, but. Yeah. And, go, and going back to Amazon, they have, I mean, as part of every, uh, performance review cycle every year, succession planning is one of the key things that they look at. So for every individual, they're like, okay, what is the succession plan? For this particular individual, so 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 when you're writing a succession plan for yourself, your your boss is also writing a, a succession plan for herself or or himself, right. right? So, right. Is there one like critical lesson you have learned as a leader that you want to share and teach with? While we have a few minutes today, was there, you know, is there one of those moments where you're like, man, I'm this was a really important lesson, and I'm glad I learned it. I don't want to. I don't want to go through it again. But I'd love to share with others so they don't have to have to pay the same tuition, perhaps. Yeah, uh, this is this is actually a positive aspect um, where you know this kind of it's probably not a mistake that I made, but it's it's probably another leader that I observed and and their actions that that basically said, okay, this is something that I would like to aspire to be. You know, one day. Right. So this was. Um, uh, this again, this was early in my career. Um, Dr. Irwin Jacobs, the founder, and he was then CEO of Qualcomm. Um, and you know, he was a teacher, right? He was a he was a professor. Um, but then he founded the company um, that became Qualcomm. And this was uh, late. Uh, this was what probably early two thousands. Um, at that time, that was when the three G communication wars was going on, right? So Qualcomm had the standard that they were backing called EVDO. And then the, Euro the Europeans were backing another standard called WCDMA. Both were based on the underlying CDMA technology. Mm -hmm. but, but from Qualcomm's perspective, we felt that, hey, the EVDO technology is a lot more superior. Ultimately, you know, the Europeans prevailed and the world went WCDMA. Even though there was a small portion of US, US like Verizon um, and Sprint went EVDO, everybody else went uh, WCDMA. Qualcomm as a company, you know, we we have the standards or the IP licensing part of it, but we right. also have the chipset business, right? So we had to make chipsets for handsets, no matter what technology was used. So, so when we realized that, okay, the world is going to go WCDMA, we had to make chips for WCDMA too. And we were like probably years behind our competitors at that point. So we started quite late. But, you know, we put a lot of smart people to this and we came out with our first chip. And we had a celebration party for this, right? So we had a celebration party. I remember one, I was one of the first engineers who showed up along with the project lead for that particular chipset. And one of the first persons in that party was Dr. Irwin Jacobs. And, and what admired me more was his humility. He basically said, you know what? I personally felt, and I still believe that EVDO is still the superior technology, but I was wrong. You know, I felt that the entire world will go EVDO. 
but they did not. They went WCDMA. And then he gave kudos to the entire team to basically said that you guys, you know, you took this on, you did this in a record amount of time. Thank you for doing this, right? And I think his humility, his ability of a CEO of a company where he came and said, yes, you know what? I had my thought, but at some point, you know, I realized the industry is not going this way. So I have to disagree and commit because, and if you look at one of the Amazonian principles, it's about disagreeing and commit, right? You can have backbone and you can be passionate about what you believe in. Right. But when you know that the decision is going a particular way, you will you'll have to disagree, but you also commit 100% and say, okay, this is how I'm going. This is now the decision. I'm going to be, I'm going to be 100% behind it. And I'm not going to come back later and say, hey, I told you so, you know, that this will not right. work, right? right? When you commit, you're committing 100% to the success of the direction the company is taking, right? And the ability of Dr. Jacobs to do that, at, and, and I think that influenced me at a very young age, where, you know, here is this guy who, who literally was, you know, spearheading this technology. And then he came and, and admitted in, a, in, in front of a, you know, a huge crowd of people that, hey, you know what? I was wrong. But thank you for doing this. And I think it took guts. And, and I think my respect for him went thousandfold that day. Um, and I said, you know, if I can just be a, a, a fraction of the person that he is, right, in terms of his humility. Um, and which is why I think even if you go back to a lot of the old uh, Qualcommers, they'll probably say Dr. Irwin Jacobs was the best CEO we ever had. So, Right. No, I think it speaks well to our topic because part of you know, a big part of learning is is it starts in many cases with admitting either you don't know or that you were wrong, and yep. that there's more to learn, there's more to explore, and that uh, you know it's a uh, you know winning is fun, but when you're winning all the time, all you're doing is confirming what you already know, right? Yes. And when you when you when you're losing or when you make a big mistake like that or 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 you just have to sort of wrestle with something that's going differently than what you thought. Um, you know, that's where the deeper learning typically occurs, right? For all of us. And I think, you know, and that's why we really want to, when we're talking about this topic with folks, we're like, hey, you know, humility, you know, the, the heart of leadership, the sort of five of those constants we really build upon influence all of this stuff tremendously, right? Because if you don't have the humility to recognize when you're wrong and to own it, right? And own it in front of your teams, own it in front of those that you're trying to lead, um, you know, it's, that's going to be a, a bigger impact negatively than, than being wrong was, right? Like everybody, you know, and it, cause everybody realizes like, and at that point, everybody in the room knows you were wrong. Right. And so you got to own it, live yep. it, and then, and commit to learning past that and, and finding ways to, you know, make sure that others don't make those mistakes and teach from that. Um, but that's a, I think it's so fundamental to, to leadership overall and certainly our topic today. Yeah, exactly. And and as a leader, you know, don't be, and I, and, and I do this all the time, is if I don't know answer, I will say, I do not know. I will come back to you with the right answer. Um, and I'll go learn, right? Uh, right? So it's okay for a leader to say, I do not know. It's, it's, it's totally fine. It does not make you any less of a leader. Right, right. No, very good point. Um, any other, so I always want to, Reading list is a big part of this. Any uh, key books, resources, you know, just sort of go-to uh, developmental tools you've you've leaned on over the years that you want to share? 
Yeah. So for me, I think, uh, you know, being vocally self-critical, uh, I haven't done as much reading as I, as I should have. I used to probably read a little bit earlier, you know, there was, and again, these were books written in the nineties, right? There was this book called good to great, um, that I read about, you know, talks about level five leadership and things like that. I think these are good principles, but unfortunately, when you read through the companies, the case studies in the book, none of the companies are there today. So <laughs> it talks about Circuit City and, and a bunch of companies that are no longer um, in, in, you know, uh, exi- existent now. Uh, they do not exist anymore. Um, but I think the principles are still there. I think that's a, that's a good book. Um, I think for me, the Amazon leadership principles, I think has always been... Uh, you know, one of the key things. I think if there are about 13 or 14 principles and they've done a really good job covering every facet of leadership, you can just Google for it. Um, And it takes you directly to the Amazon webpage where it talks about each and every leadership principle. Um, And as you spoke before, I think every organization has a learning center with a whole bunch of courses. So I'm sure you'll have, uh, you know, resources in your company. Um, Please take advantage of that. Yeah, no, great reminders. And the you know, and I think even today there's, you know, we've, we're actually sharing, there's some, some great leadership courses on LinkedIn that are free, you know, that, that are easy to share. We've used those to supplement our own courses inside the company mm-hmm. and create curriculums around those. Um, you know, and I think, it's, but it, I don't think there's lack of material, obviously, you know, we're adding to that with, with these materials, but, but we don't, we're not trying to sort of add content or, create how-to guides in that sense. Our commitment is just to help engineers say, hey, here's a way to maybe break this down and go find those materials. So, you know, whether it's Amazon leadership principles or, I mean, we've had a number referenced in, in our course. So it's, there's a lot of material out there. And I think it's, it's having that commitment to continuous learning, which is what we wanted to talk about today. And I'm, I can't thank you enough for helping us get, you know, talk through this and, and the great stories you brought. Um, and also, you know, having that commitment to teaching, you know, your teams, your peers, um, those that might aspire to leadership positions that that in that giving back and in that teaching exercise, you know, it's also your opportunity to really get a tremendous amount of learning in return as you do it. So well, yeah, Carson, thank you so much. Um, appreciate you spending time on and and in this effort to give back as you have in so many other occasions. So we, we greatly appreciate it. And uh, thank you for your insights and perspectives today. You're most welcome. And, and it was, uh, you know, I enjoyed this conversation. Engineering Leadership is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping engineers enhance their leadership skills. You can download resources to accelerate your leadership skills by going to www.engineering-leadership.com.